0: Amen. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Beginning at verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. And not we ourselves, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. We return once again this morning to this old 100th Psalm in hopes that our God would teach us anew the wonders, glories, the blessings which come from worshiping and praising and thanking our God. The entrance into His gates, according to our passage of scripture, and into His courts. He's not by any merit of our own, nor are we to come with silver or gold. But the psalmist says, enter in with thanksgiving into the gates. And then you come into the courts with praise. And that not for our own self, not for our own benefit, not for our own pleasure, but for His honor and for His glory alone. And yet the psalmist would remind us we are to do such a thing, not in ignorance as the Athenians in Acts whom Paul declared you worship, an unknown God. Nor is the Samaritans in John chapter 4, when Christ said, you know not what you worship. But we have a divine invitation, a divine summons to the chosen people of God who have been redeemed to Him through Christ. We have a divine summons to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his praise, into his courts with praise, knowing that the Lord he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The psalmist would have us to understand that God will not be praised in ignorance. This is eternal life, our Lord said in John chapter 17, that they might know Thee and Your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come, said the Apostle, that we might have knowledge of Him who is the true God. God will not be worshipped in ignorance. Nor will He receive any thanksgiving and praise but from His people. Listen to me. But from His people and the sheep of His pasture. For the true worshippers declared Christ to the woman by the well shall worship the Father. Intimate shall worship the father, his people, his sheep, true worshipers in spirit and in truth. For the father, and I love this verse, for the father seeketh such to worship him. is amazing that the Lord said the father seeketh such to worship him? It's almost as amazing as Luke 19 where it says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Father. I love that. The Lord uses that intimate relationship. The Father seeketh such to worship Him in spirit and truth. What an amazing invitation for God's people. What an amazing and glorious summons into the presence of God, that we might sing praises unto His name. Surely we benefit from such praise and thanksgiving, but we enter not for our benefit and pleasure, but we enter for His glory and His honor. And as we glorify God, then we are blessed with His presence and His blessings and His goodness and His mercy and His truth. A humble reverence and submission the psalmist declares to His sovereign right and authority as our God and Creator, coupled with the true spirit of thanksgiving and praise for His goodness, His mercy which is everlasting, and His truth which is endures unto all generations. This is what characterizes and sets apart His people and the sheep of His pasture. What an amazing definition. What an amazing declaration of the spirit and truth of which God requires and commands of his people. Acknowledge his sovereign right as Lord and God. Acknowledge him as your creator, your maker. And then when you do so, acknowledge that you're his people and the sheep of his pasture. With that, the psalmist says, now you're equipped to enter into this, His gates with thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving blossoms into praises as we enter into His courts. It's almost like a, it's a systematic entrance into His presence, a preparation into His presence to where it ends with praise in His courts. This has probably been, in all passages, Scripture is of themselves or are of themselves difficult and immeasurable. But this has probably been one passage of Scripture that has greatly overwhelmed me more than many others because it speaks of an, an a praising, an infinite, eternal God. The blessings that we receive from praising him for who he is and what he is. If the elders and the cherubims and the seraphims are on the throne sing his praises twenty four hours a day, if there's no time in heaven, but yet twenty four hours a day non stop, what shall our praises be like when we enter into his courts of eternity? And begin singing His praise, never stopping, never ending praise. Never getting old, never getting bored, never getting tiring. And every time we praise Him, we wish to praise Him even more. How can you fathom such a subject as that? And yet, this 100th Psalm gives us a little bit of a measure of that praise and thanksgiving which we owe unto God. And he continues that in our text in Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Knowing that the Lord, He is God, it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Beloved, that is the very foundation upon which all thanksgiving and praise must be built. Knowing that the Lord, He is God, it is He that made it and not we ourselves. All our praise must begin in this very humble position before God. He's God. He must be lifted high above us and He must be exalted for not only being our Lord and our God, but our very Creator. He made us and not we ourselves. That brings the child of God such sweet comfort, not only in this present life, but it brings great comfort and joy in praising His name. God has made me. He's created me. And not me, myself. Because, beloved, upon this sure foundation, nothing shall be able to shake or discourage the true believer from entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. No matter what happens in this lifetime, no matter what hardships we face, no matter what difficulties, no matter what sorrow, this is the foundation upon which we must enter into his gates and into his courts. And it's unshakable. He is the Lord God. He made me. And not me, myself. There's comfort in that, encouragement in that, hope in that. Like I said last week, no child of God should ever enter into His presence with murmuring or complaining, but with gladness and thanksgiving and praise. Even if the cross we bear is heavy upon us at the moment, it is praise which enables us to bear that cross up. Christ Himself, our example, who looked beyond His sufferings under the glory that awaited Him. We look beyond those sufferings and we see God high and lifted up who made us and our praises and thanksgiving are then pleasing in His sight. We don't murmur nor complain. We give Him the greatest honor and glory. If it is good for me, according to the psalmist, that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. then I'm telling you, beloved, even in our deepest sufferings, we learn a melody of praise and thanksgiving, which the angels and cherubims know nothing of. It's a strange melody to them. Bible says the angels even try to look into what salvation we have in Christ. They don't comprehend it. How can they comprehend and when we begin singing praise in the darkest hours of our lives, giving thanks unto God? The angels look at that and they say, This is amazing. This is um, this, We can't understand this. This is the melody we know nothing of. And I'm telling you, like the old preacher once said when the saints of God enter into eternity forever the holy 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 of the cherubims and the seraphim shall be silenced to the praises of God's redeemed people as they sing glory unto God because they cannot sing with us they cannot they cannot sing with us let us then as God's people begin to sing now as God's people let us learn the melody of praise and thanksgiving now in this present life Though that it not be stranger to us when we enter into glory, it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Not only, dearly beloved, must the true believer know and acknowledge that the Lord he is God, but that He it is that hath made us, and that for His own good pleasure. Look with me at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, in verse 11. Thou art worthy. Well, let's read verse 10. The four and twenty elders. Fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are. Listen to me. Listen to the scripture. For Thy pleasure they are. They exist. They have their being because of him. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Beloved, try to fathom this for a few moments if you can. I have had the blessings of pondering this passage of Scripture for days now. And I hope and pray that you have taken the chance to do so yourself. But ponder if you could for a minute the amazing and overwhelming thought that none of us are here by chance. None of us are here by accident. None of us are here by our own choice. But God hath created all things, and for His pleasure they are, and were created. You say, well, preacher, there's some amongst us that are yet lost. He's still your creator. And you better grasp this because I hope and pray it shakes you to where you see your need of Christ. He created you for His pleasure. Why? That you might bring Him honor and glory. That's why you're here. That's why you were created. And to do nothing less than that will bring the greatest condemnation upon your eternal soul. Because God hath created you for His good pleasure. But for the child of God, such a thought brings the greatest joy and comfort. My life is not by chance. It's not by accident. God created me for his good pleasure and when he drew me to Christ I am made one of the most pleasurable things God ever created. You said no, yeah, we are accepted in the beloved, we are the apple of his eye, we are the jewels, the crown in Christ. For me to even try to contemplate that my very existence, my very being, my being brought into this world was of no accident, but by a providential sovereign decree of God, He created me. He made me for His own good pleasure. Is that not grounds enough to praise God for eternity? He made me for His own good pleasure. Let's join these glorious and blessed truths together in chorus. The Lord Jehovah, He is God, Elohim, covenant God. It is He that hath made us, created us, and by His pleasure we are, we exist, we live, we have our being, and we're created. That's God's purpose in creating us, in making us. Do you know that? Oh, I hear now a lot of people saying, well, wait a minute, That's not, that doesn't apply to the doctrine of God's sovereignty and election and all this. No, all mankind is created in the image of God. And created for a purpose, a divine purpose. And that divine purpose is to bring Him honor and glory and praise. What happens if they don't? then they'll meet the greatest condemnation ever because God created you for such a thing. That's why every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God. See, see, everybody will glorify God. Everybody will glorify God. Even the damned, they will glorify God. Frail children of dust, and feeble is frail. In you do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Your mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our Maker, Defender, Redeemer, and Friend. Shall God make us, and not watch over us, and sustain us? Beloved, we are His by right of sovereign creation. Too many Christians never take a much thought about that. Oh, we think about redemption and that's good. Oh, I'm redeemed. I'm God's people now that I'm saved. No, we need to take that even further. Take it back to the, our very making, our very creation. We are His by right of sovereign creation. You're God's. He made you. Don't you shake a fist at God and say, I have nothing to do with Him like Pharaoh. What is this Lord that we should serve Him? Oh, let me tell you something. You'll learn your lesson. But the child of God takes great comfort in that. We're His by right of sovereign creation. He made you and me. Do you know Christ knew you in the womb? you know what comfort that is for a child of God? You see how our praise and thanksgiving has a much broader picture than what most Christians imagine? His by right of sovereign creation and made His sheep and His people of the pasture or the sheep of His pasture and His people by right of redemption. We are not our own. He hath made us and not we ourselves. And as our sovereign maker and creator, He has the sovereign right and authority Listen to me, this is what the psalmist is bringing us to. He has the sovereign right and authority because he's our creator and our maker. He has the sovereign right and authority to do with us as he pleases and according to his own good pleasure. Now keep that thought. Okay? Because we need to keep that in our in our hearts and our minds. He has the sovereign right by creation to do with us as He pleases. That brings the child of God the greatest comfort. I'm getting ahead of myself, but would the potter let the clay stay marred as we'll see later? Of course he would. not Would the Creator Let anything happen to His creation. Not only does He have the sovereign right to do with us as He pleases, but He also sustains us and keeps us. He will preserve us because He's our maker, our creator. When I began looking at this verse this past week again, I was reminded, like I said last week, that over the years of my Christian life, especially as a young believer, I heard very few preach on this part of worship and praise. Oh, I heard much about, and that should be made much of, the redeeming power and blood of Christ and praising Him for saving us. But this aspect of praise and worship was almost foreign to me. That He has the right as our Creator to do with us according to His own good pleasure. That's part of worship, just as much as praising Christ for His redemption. He's God. That's why the psalmist starts out, Know that the Lord... Jehovah, He is God. It is He that made us and not we ourselves. You start with that. That what the world foolishly tries to reject and ignore, like our brother's testimony before sermons this morning about his letter to people he knew, that what the world foolishly tries to reject and ignore Brings the greatest comfort, hope, and encouragement to the true believer. And it greatly inspires our thanksgiving and praise with an unshakable assurance and confidence in God, our Maker and Creator. Praise to the Lord, who over all things so wondrously reigneth. Who, as on wings of an eagle, uplifteth, sustaineth. us. Hast thou not seen? Hast thou not seen how thy desires all have been granted in what he ordaineth? How can we find the greatest comfort in knowing that he is our maker, acknowledging that and by faith, receiving that because nothing can happen in your life without his permission. Nothing can happen without him decreeing it. Nothing can happen without your maker allowing it to happen. That's the confidence we have. That is unshakable. That enables us to praise God with all our being. Nothing can happen to me unless my maker decrees it. That's why the psalmist said, he hath made us and not we ourselves. Our, our destiny, if you want to call it that, our future, our lives is not dependent on what we do and are but on him for me to live is Christ what an amazing part of worship that we've so often neglected and forgotten. and don't misunderstand me we should sing the loud praises of redemption of being bought with the price of Christ saving our souls of Christ being on the cross. We should survey the cross, the wondrous cross. We should be thankful for Christ dying that we might live. Yet so often we forget this vital aspect of worship and praise. Humbly acknowledging that He is Lord God and He hath made me and not me myself. I am His to do with as He pleases. And whatever He pleases, that is what I desire of all things. The Lord Himself was our example in the garden, remember? And He said, Lord, or Father, if it be, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but Thine be done. We find the greatest pleasure in submitting to whatever our Creator has sovereignly providentially purposed for our lives. Now with that said I know not why God allows some to suffer more than others. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some uh, but all through the blood, some through the fires. I know not why God But I'm telling you, this is a part of not only of praise, but this is a part of the Christian's life. Not only acknowledging this in our praise and thanksgiving, but acknowledging it in our daily lives, that nothing can happen to me without my maker. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But now, O oh Lord, Thou art our Father, we are the clay, and Thou art a parlor, and we all are the work of Thy hand. We're the works of Thy hand. We're the works of Thy hand. What an amazing comfort. God takes the greatest care of His creation. Listen to me. God takes the greatest care of His creation. For not one sparrow... The Lord said, Falleth on the ground without your father. Not one sparrow. He even said, The very hairs of your head, they're all numbered. That's, he's speaking of a creator. The creator knows all these things. Yet he goes on to say, Yet ye are of more value than many sparrows. Are ye not much more worthy than a sparrow? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Why? Because He created us. He made us. And He's the preserver of us and the sustainer of us and the keeper of us. Like the Old Testament passage of Scripture says, has the clay power over the potter? Cannot the potter do with the clay what he wants? When it's marred in his hands, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said, then he makes it a new vessel. He'll not be satisfied with a marred clay. But he'll mold it and he'll make it. Do you know what? When we all eventually... And we will one day, if the Lord not return before, we will all pass out of this world and stand before God in His presence. Do you know there's not going to be one time we're going to say, you know, God kind of made a mistake here. Or God, you know, if you would have allowed that to happen in my life, I'd have been in a whole lot better position. No, we're going to say, you know what, Lord, now that I have perfect understanding, everything you did in my life, every cross you gave me, every dark trial I went through, every valley I went through, every mountain height I crossed over, all those things were sovereignly, providentially uh, guided by your hand as my creator. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you worshiped God for being your creator? Your maker. Man. You know, th- every night, before I call it quits for the day, I'll take my dog out in the backyard and, and uh, I'll purposely leave the porch light out because now it's winter time. And I'll go out there and I'll let him run around and do his thing and I'll sit there and I'll look up into the stars. Mm. First thing I do is envy those of you who live out in the country (laughs) that don't have no lights, I'm amazed what you can see. And I stood there this last week and I said, You know, Lord, I kind of understand if somebody who doesn't believe in God would believe that there's other life out there because that is a vast space. Do you know how many stars there are up there? And a lost and blinded man would certainly look up there and say, There's gotta be something else. And I'm here to tell you there is. Is He who created those things? But the the God that created all that made me for His pleasure. Is it any wonder the psalmist said, when I look into the stars and the heavens and? The What is man that they were mindful of Him? Now, before redemption, we still acknowledge or should acknowledge or must acknowledge God as Creator. But boy, after redemption, let me tell you what that divine truth, that wonderful truth does for a child of God. He created me to redeem me. To himself. Do you see how it blossoms into something greater? He created me for his own good pleasure, so that he might redeem me through Christ to himself. You see how praise and thanksgiving takes on a whole different aspect when we begin to know that the Lord He is God. It is He that made us and not we ourselves. The true believer takes great comfort in knowing that because God sovereignly, providentially created him for his own purpose and pleasure, that nothing in life or death, nothing in life or death is without his divine permission, allowance or decree and all for his honor and glory and for our greater good. Therefore, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and then into his courts with praise for he will not forsake the work of his hands. He hath made us and not we ourselves. But with that said, allow me just for a few minutes to speak to those of you who are yet in your youth. Look at Ecclesiastes 12, in light of He hath made us and not we ourselves. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. The command to remember your creator in your youth is to those who are yet young and have not entered the evil days of old age. The evil he speaks of here is not sinful or wicked, but he's speaking about of old age. When thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Listen how he goes on with this down to verse 7. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened or the clouds return after the rain. Speaking of what old age does to you. You lose your sight and you're weak and you begin frail. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out of the windows be darkened. And the door shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire, uh, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cisterns, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it." What's he speaking about? The command is to the youth. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before you begin to reach the evil days of old age when depravity begins to take effect even more upon your body and you begin to get old and weak and frail, and you meet the troubles and trials of life when your heart begins to fail and when your organs begin to fail and you begin to grow old and weaker and frail. Why youth? Listen to me. A day wasted without God is a tragic thing. He speaks to the youth because you're young. You're vibrant. You're full of strength. Your heart and your mind is not yet depraved, as bad as the older age. You're able to serve God with fervency. You're able to serve God more more valiantly with your mind and your heart. is still young. And so the preacher here calls out to the youth remember thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not before you get too old do you realize that most, most salvation not all of them but most people that are saved are done in a youthful age as they get older they get more hardened by sin more depraved more prone to lean to their own understanding yet while you're in youth while you're still young now your Creator saying, remember me. Amen. In the days of your youth, before you grow old, and maybe forget me when your body begins to weaken under the weight of sin. Take a look at some of the older people you once knew in younger age. When they were younger, their body was vibrant. They were strong. They were full of strength. They could do many things. And now look at them. They're old and frail. And weak. I was reminded this last week somebody had showed me a picture of some individual that was supposedly pretty great in the world as a young man. And now he's old, frail, it's dementia. Can't remember anything. And they put both pictures when he was young, full of strength, and when he's old together he doesn't even look like the same guy yeah. so the preacher says remember your creator in the days of your youth Well, the days of old age have not come when thou too shalt say I have no pleasure in them I have no pleasure in them talk to those who have become older again I'm not saying Christians don't like growing old that's not what the preachers talking about Abraham rejoiced in his old age but when we talk to a Christian, even a Christian who is of old age and ask him how he fares physically Oh, my back hurts me I can hardly get up and walk I've got to take medication or I've got to take breathing things or I'm always constantly be reminded that I'm old I sit on my knees and do a couple hours of work and I get up and the next day I can hardly walk they're not pleasurable days when you grow older. So enjoy your youth, okay, physically. Enjoy it because one day is coming when you can't climb a ladder without being afraid of falling off of it. That's right. So the scriptures encourage the youth, and I encourage you. You're young. Your mind is still not so depraved. Not so far along. But if you continue without remembering your Creator and you grow older and older, I guarantee you the possibilities of you turning to Christ, according to this passage of Scripture, is going to be very difficult. Not impossible. We had a man in Germany who's the town drunk who got saved at the age of 85, lived the last five years of his life serving the Lord. But let me tell you something. He wished that he'd have found Christ when he was 20. That he didn't waste 80 some years in sin. Now's your chance. Now's your possibility. Now's the time. Now is the time. Remember now thy creator. But there's coming a time when you might not. I wasn't. Saved as totally young. I was saved in my 20s. Back in the days of the preacher in our text, the average young age was probably 30. Back then, times have changed, but I still wish that I'd have known the Lord sooner than that. would have saved me a lot of yet heartaches. Time is clever. And deceptive it lures you and seduces you while you're yet young and unaware pretending to be your friend and companion I'm still young I've got my whole life ahead of me that's time deceiving you only to keep you blind long enough until your youthful days are past and you suddenly awaken to the evil or old days wherein you shall have no pleasure. I remember sitting around on the floor around our table when my mom and dad would get together with other relatives and they talk about them growing old. Last week, I had breakfast with my brother, and we are sitting around, and I said, "You know, we sound like our parents now." We don't talk about, well, remember that football game we played in? Remember the game I played last week when I ran through second I stole second visit. Nothing like that. It's now it's like, "Well, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm not doing too bad. I can't even climb a ladder anymore, and I have a hard time getting up out of my chair, and uh, you know, forgetfulness oh boy, that's something that's mm, terrible. I mean, I forget a lot of things. I'm running around looking for my glasses and they're on my head. And those are the things you begin to talk about when you grow older. (gasps) They're not pleasant days, physically speaking. I envy you. If you're young, in many ways I envy you. You have now the opportunity to begin... In your youth, a life with God. He said it. He read it in Psalms when it talked about let us know your mercies when we're young so that all through our years we can thank God for it. You can have so many more years ahead of you to praise God. God created you. He made you. You're not here by chance. You're not here by by your choice. You're not here by accident. God created you. He made you for his own good pleasure that you might bring him honor and glory. And you can only do that in and through Christ. Waste not another moment because I'm telling you, time will fool you. It'll deceive you. And one day, like many of us who are sitting here that are older, you'll wake up and say, where did the time go? How did I lose my way? It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name for the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. What a glorious God we have. He made us. He made you to sing praises unto Him, to honor and glorify Him. May you not waste your youth with the sins and pleasures of this wicked world. Only later on in the evil days to regret you're wasting your youth when you could have spent it living vigorously for God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for reminding us, Lord, of the aspect of the nature, of the essence and truth of praise and thanksgiving. You are the Lord God, our Creator, our Maker. We made not ourselves. Lord, we take confidence in that. And Lord, we worship and praise You for who You are and what You've done. We pray that, Lord, You'd help us as Thy people and as the sheep of Thy pasture to enter into Your gates with thanksgiving and into Your courts with praise, thanking You and blessing Your name. And Lord, we pray for those amongst us that are yet in their youth. Lord, what a waste of time every second, every minute of the day that they waste without knowing God is a minute lost. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you encourage, Lord, you convict their hearts and let them see now. Now is the day of salvation. Lord, help them to understand and grasp the urgency. Lord, because we have not tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised the now. Turn them, we pray. Be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.